I need to get this straight in my head because I find that I go back and forth between the two. Poper or Popey? Either or. I've heard you referred to as both, and I used to be full-on Poper. Yeah. But then I hear the Popey, and every once in a while, I think it just slips out. I think the back home, the boys probably call me Popey more. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Back in Palmerston? Back in Palmerston. You know, if it's Popey. Or Poop. It sounds like Poppy. And yeah. you know what? Everybody Ooh. should wear one. Ooh. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. On that note, Popey, yeah. how do you do a podcast about the Ontario Hockey League? And not this week, talk about a former owner. The former owner of the Mississauga Ice Dogs. It's a long time ago, but anyway, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think I've taken a social media break for a while. I was thinking about it, uh, about just cutting it off for the month of December. I'm growing a mustache right now, so I'm raising funds for Movember. Uh, You can find me uh, on Movember, wherever you want, if you feel like donating. But I feel like come December, I might just shut it down because I just can't take it anymore. I think I've come to the point where I'm ready. I'll tweet during the Ranger games every now and then, sure, if there's some news with the Rangers. But other than that... I'm done. What about some like, news? I might, I'm, I'm going to shut down Facebook. I'm just done with it. I can't take all these hot takes from people. It's driving me crazy. There's too much negativity. And I feel like I, I'm in a real spot lately where I'm just trying to get rid of all the negativity in my life. It's, Unfollowing people, blocking people. It's great. It's funny you, you say that because I, I don't dispute, and I don't think anybody would, the negativity. But I look at it as a challenge, right? This, what you have to do, what you honestly have to do on social media is know the minefield that you're walking into and adapt accordingly. I truly now look on it as a challenge and it's really interesting you bring up, I guess we can't bring up the topic of Don Cherry and his rant from Coach's Corner almost a week ago and not reference the social media outrage that was instantaneous. Mm -hmm. But when Rogers, the parent company of the radio station that we broadcast Kitchener Rangers games on, 570 News out of Kitchener, when Rogers made the decision on Monday to part ways with Mr. Cherry after all of his decades in the game and in broadcasting, I merely retweeted a tweet from 570 News and pointed out that I think the company did what it had to do. And you could talk to an employment lawyer that would tell you that. In fact, for I, sure. I heard one on the radio station being interviewed by another talk show host. That's from an HR employment perspective. The company didn't really have a choice. So that was like, I didn't, I didn't issue a hot take at all. And I'll tell you this, from that merely the company did what it had to do, tweet by me, two and a half days. Two and a half days and I was still getting comments, messages, and some emails directly to me. And holy Hannah. Yeah. I haven't even expressed my opinion on the matter, but I figure I'd save it for the podcast. Oh boy. You got to save it. Like, you know what? Big fan of Tim and Sid. Yeah. Shout out to our. Love them. Friends in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, they saved it for the show. You're saving it for the show. Yeah. I. <laughs> I just go back to the social media. It drives me crazy. 
everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks theirs is right. And you can't be right or wrong or disagree with somebody. And you can't have a civil conversation. And there's no, you take it as a challenge. There's no changing minds. There's no educating people because whatever everyone thinks that is the be all and end all. It's is you can't have a simple conversation about whether it be sport news, broadcasting, um, the weather, when you put your Christmas tree up for Pete's sakes, without it ha- being and, and taking the form of a conversation surrounding something like religion. Because whether you think your Christmas tree should go up now, or whether you think it should go up before Remembrance Day, or whether you think it should go up December 1st, anybody that argues with you is wrong. And there's no changing your mind. And that's the way I feel like religion is. You're gonna, you are of one religion, and no matter what anyone says to you or do you try to have a conversation with you're now angry at that other person and that other person is now wrong. So no matter what side of the fence you fall when it comes to grapes, what other side of the vine you're on, if you will, the other person's just wrong and they're idiots. And that's what it comes down to. It's funny you say it that way because one of my favorite tweets in all of the tweets, and by the way, he's at underscore Chris Pope. Oh, wait, I shouldn't have said that. That's fine. And I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. One of my favorite tweets of all of it was from a woman who was defending and passionately defending Don Cherry and said, if you read something racist into what he said, then that's more a reflection of you than it is of Don. And I resisted because I don't want to go into the rabbit hole. But my take on it was, if you disagree with my take on Don's dismissal and you can't just accept that I think differently about it, then that's more a reflection of you than it is of me. Yeah. Right. So just take the same thing that she sent me and put it right back in her mirror there. And I apologize. I, I didn't do enough, uh, note taking when I was listening, um, to the, what was it? The, the social where the lady had the rant today. Yeah, sure. The social. And somebody said, "Can I saw a bunch of people reacting then to that because she was basically saying that in her past, all hockey players are white males and essentially bullies. Um, and Rich kids. <laughs> rich kids, yeah. Parents who could afford $5,000 to put their kids in hockey. Let me tell you, I, I'm sure my parents had, well, I saw it, plenty of craft dinner meals and Triscuits and summer sausage dinners um, because they were making things meet, if you will, going into debt, putting my brother and I in hockey. We were not rich by any means. I didn't struggle for much. I was raised extremely well, but I know my parents struggled doing so. Um, But I also, when you look at that, there was a lot of people coming out and saying, can you believe that she's saying that? These are the same people that are defending what Don said. Now getting angry at someone saying that all hockey players are white. It's because you're mad because they're talking about you. She's talking about you. That's why you're mad. That's why people who are upset about Don, because he said, you guys, he talked about new immigrants to this country. He talked about anybody that doesn't look like Don. He's talked about left-wing um, kooks dating back to 2010 when Rob Ford brought him into Toronto City Hall about the left-wing kooks that ride bicycles and stuff. Yeah, those people are yeah. pinkos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, pinkos, pinkos yeah. yeah. It just, no matter what side you fall on, it was offside to say. And this whole freedom of speech, can like you know better than I, 
Canada doesn't have freedom of speech. The First Amendment isn't in Canada. Hello, you're reading U.S. articles. It's freedom of expression, and he has freedom of expression. But what happens after that, the consequences coming from your expression, you're on a national broadcaster. They have the right to remove you. Whether you fall in line, listen, I own probably four or five Don Cherry books. I used to watch Rock'em Sock'em all the time. I have been on our broadcast with you, Mike, on any kind of broadcast or podcast. I've defended Don, dragging my knuckles across the floor. Times have changed. Don did not. I like the way you put that because it reminds me of a conversation I had with another 40-year broadcast vet and what you just said about times changing and Don not changing with them. In the big picture of all of this, that's one of the things that disappoints me the most because we do have the opportunity to change and we can, we can kick and we can scream and we can fight and we can be angry that the world is changing or we can really reflect on how it's changing and realize it's actually, it's actually changing for the better. It is. It really is. I get it. Oh, it, you know, it's not the same as it was. The locker room is different. The game, the code of the game is different. I, I get it. But if you really take an honest look at it and reflect seriously, you'll realize that the entire world, the entire world has changed for the better, including social media. But, I, I agree. I, I still think that there's some aspects of the game, as you mentioned, or the code, if you will. I feel still feel like there's... Some of that old school that probably is needed more now. Of course. But again, big picture, all of the ducks lined up. Are we, as people, better off? Is the game in general better off? I think probably. Listen, if Don goes on that broadcast and he says, I am upset and he gets animated about people not wearing poppies. Exactly. I am retweeting the video and I am putting a link to the Legion website where anybody can go and get a poppy. I still have five in my visor in my car. I bought one every time I got a chance. I never wanted to be without one. I think we've talked about it. You can go back into the archives if you want. Email Rogers, they'll send it to you, I'm sure. Where we went on numerous rants, you and I, about how weird is it? Because we went to the States a little while ago. That's right. And we talked about someone asking us, what's the flower on your jacket? And I said, how do you explain to someone that we give people who fought for our freedom 11 days out of 365 and we wear this little pin on our, on our coat and or our shirt. Real, that's it. We give them um, one day, one, yeah, to be honest. But you're sure. right. The, the a, poppy goes on the lapel 11 for days. 11 days or so. We yep. should be wearing it 365 days. Um, it's not about the poppy, though. That's what people are getting the mixed signals. This, this was the straw that broke the camel's back for Don. He's been going on for years about degrading women in sport and the Russians and the French guys. And eventually, enough was enough. And this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. If it was just about the poppy, I 100%. 100%. Everybody should be wearing one. I want to bring up... And I feel like I've went too far on in this because we tried, we talked before doing the podcast. How do we do it? Should we talk about it? Yeah, we have to. Let's just do a short bit on it. But I heard something today um, on another podcast. It was an FM radio broad uh, podcast. My buddy out West, shout out Ryder. Um, he saw it on Reddit. 
and I'll paraphrase it, but it's essentially newcomers to this country may not be, even if they've been here a couple years or maybe it's just six months, they may not be familiar with the poppy. They don't know what it means. It's on everyone else to educate them what the poppy is for, but they're not thinking the last war was World War II, the war to end wars. They're worried about the one they just left. They're worried about the war in their country that they had to leave and came to Canada to get away from for their safety. That's the war they're talking about. The poppy in Canada means something for sure. It's a, it's a ode to our veterans who, and people who still fight, but those people the majority are coming from war-torn countries that are seeing war months ago. It's on us to educate them that this is why we wear the poppy. They're, that, World War II was a long time for them. They're looking at war they just came from. So I feel very similarly, and I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly, but I want to touch on the poppy point, and I want to go back to that guy who's also got 40 years in broadcasting that I talked to. But I think you're absolutely right, and we see very similarly the story of, of the poppy. It is on us. And if there's a bright side to come out of this, it's the conversation around the importance of the poppy and the need for education or re-education or reinforcing the education or whatever it may be. Because we're 70 plus years now removed from World War II. You're absolutely right that people, Canadians, are still serving, still fighting. Good friend of mine, shout out Rodbo, now an OPP officer in Brant County who did a tour in Afghanistan. Ask me how I felt for the six months that he was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I, and he's, he's just a buddy. Yeah. Imagine how his parents felt. Anyway, and he continues now to serve through his role as a police officer. Utmost respect. We should have poppies on for them too. But I think maybe, I think maybe that it was just something that we all did. You and I get to call home games for the Kitchener Rangers and the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. Teams in this league, across the Canadian Hockey League, compete for the Memorial Cup. We have to emphasize that. We have to remember why it's called that. Why is it the Memorial Auditorium? Because it was built in 1951 for the World War II veterans who had just come home. Why is it the Memorial Cup? Because it's a tribute and you see officers, RCMP, you see military soldiers around the trophy that we cherish so much in this game because of the significance and the tribute it is to them. I think it's incumbent upon all of us, legions, Dominion Canada, schools, you and me, Anybody, let's not let the poppy's significance evaporate just because it's 75 years since the end of World War II. It's before it gets too far in the past, we had better make sure we reinforce what this is all about. That's that should be what comes out of this. If you're that upset about Don Cherry being fired and you and you say, I agree with him, there's not enough people or those people, which is what got him in trouble, wearing poppies. Next November, go to your grocery store, put 50 bucks in the bin, and stand there. And every person that walks out without one with their bag, say, I bought you a poppy. There you go. That is doing better justice than sending or than posting five sentences about, I'm canceling Sportsnet. I stand with Don. I'm going to sign a petition. Guess what your petition does? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That might get you some likes and retweets a joke anyway okay and one of the other things i just want to go back real quick that bothers me as much about this is just from the broadcasting perspective i totally get the people that do what we do 
who do it to get reactions, to who do it because they want to walk on that line and sometimes cross over just a little bit. They'll tip their toe over it and bring it back. I'm talking to another 40-year broadcast veteran this week, and he said to me, I used to do, and it sounds so silly and simple compared to what we're talking about with Don Cherry, but he said, I used to get to do a daily segment called The Joke of the Day, and quite often it was a blonde joke. I can't tell blonde jokes anymore, (laughs) he tells me, and I'm okay with that. I recognize that we've just, we've moved on from there, and I admire him for that because... I am a radio head through and through, not just the band. Okay, computer, fantastic album. But I'm just, I'm a radio head. I grew up listening to the radio. I still love the medium. And I admire people that have been doing it for a long time. And, and so this guy I was talking to, who's 40 years in this business and has adapted and isn't kicking and screaming at it and recognizes where we are at as a business, as a people, and adjusts his style accordingly. You know what? That's not a sellout. That's okay. That's okay. I agree. And a lot of people are pointing to the thin-skinned left-wing kooks, if you will, that uh, are are upset about Don's comments. Listen, you're upset that a guy who you would watch on Saturday nights for seven minutes was let go. And you're reacting like, this is a monstrous story, and don't get me wrong, it is. It's a big story. He did a lot for Canada. He did a lot for hockey. He did a heck of a lot for junior hockey, and I respect what he did. I it, He was one of those guys, and still, when he said what he said, I was at my brother's place. Intermission comes out. We're watching the game. Everyone's talking. Three kids or two and a half kids running around, and... Graves comes on, my brother grabs a remote, cranks up the volume and says to my sister-in-law and my girlfriend, hey, quiet, Graves is on. <laughs> it, it happened in households everywhere. He did a lot. And I, don't, I think it is kind of sad that he his final broadcast and what was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was a Remembrance Day thing because he has done so many of those so well. And that's why I was really excited to watch it because he does it Better than men, better than most. But at the end of the day, he took it somewhere where it didn't need to go. He's 80 plus years old, been on the air for a long time. He's done a lot. I don't think it will, um, I don't think his whole career will be defined by this moment. But if we're honest with ourselves, this was a long time coming. So I agree that Don's career won't be defined by this moment just like his career has not been and will not be defined by his time as an owner in the Ontario Hockey League as we swing things back to what this podcast is primarily about you know when Don was the owner of the Niagara Ice Dogs and the coach or not the Niagara Mississauga Ice Dogs and the coach for a while don't don't you know he had a guy named Jason Spezza on the team yeah turned out to be a pretty decent National Hockey League player that guy that that he did good junior too Spezza one time put up 86 points in a season in only 41 games, I might point out. Not too bad. Over Not a point a game. That's that, that was his time with uh, with Windsor that year when he got traded from Don's Ice Dogs. So all in that season, he played 56 games and racked up 116 points, which is pretty respectable. I'd say. To say the very least. I couldn't help but take a look at, I mean, Connor McMichael's numbers, the way he has come sort of from behind the pack to take over the scoring lead 
in the Ontario Hockey League just got me thinking. So McMichael has got 41 points through 16 games. To put it another way, Connor McMichael is on pace for, if this were to keep up, you know, if the playoffs were to start today. Yeah, and he uh, doesn't go play World Juniors. Right, but at the pace he's on, Connor McMichael is on pace for about 164 points in a season. Now, the all-time record still held by Bobby Smith, former Ottawa 67, 192 points he had in 61 games. For those of you keeping score at home, that's more than three points a game from Bobby Smith. But That's insane. It is nuts. How many players in the league, Popper, last year broke 100 points? Take a wild stab at it. How many got more than 100? Six. Nine. I knew it was eight. As it stands right now, <laughs> as it stands right now, and again, we're looking at quarter poll numbers, but you can extrapolate and say, okay, how many guys are on pace for 100? That would be 20. So more than double wow. the players from last year are on pace this year for 100 points. And some of them, a la Connor McMichael, are heading north of 150 at the rate they're playing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Extrapolate. Estimate or conclude something by extrapolating for those at home. Um you're quick. <laughs> well, you're using big words. I didn't here. mean to use such a big word. Sorry. Yeah, go on. We just came off a Dodge Cherry segment. Okay. Um, do you think that has more to do with the quality of hockey, or do you think that has more to do with the lack of quality goaltending in this league? You know, I never thought of it till you brought it up, and as you began to bring it up, I knew you, where you were going. Up until this very moment, I thought it just had something to do with the quality of hockey. I mean, you look at the names at the top of this list, and McMichael, Kaliev, Byfield, Jostling. Jenik Perfetti, Robertson, Reese, Newman, on and on. So pretty damn fine hockey players. But yeah, but you might be let, let, something. Let's be honest. There's probably three or four in there that probably shouldn't crack a hundred points. Pavel Gogolev, right? I think the the goal. We've talked about it before. Goaltending in this league is not where it used to be, and it's not where it needs to be. Um, you don't have to go very far. Just listen to our last podcast to hear where goaltending should be Absolutely. in this league. Um, I but it's fun to watch. Like I, if you're if you're a betting man, take the over, and you'll probably end up pretty successful in this Ontario Hockey League. Um, McMichael has been an absolute beast, and there's no surprise to me because when the London Knights go out and trade Robert Thomas to the Hamilton Bulldogs, I circle the players that are coming back because if London is trading a guy like Robert Thomas to a team, I I know the players that are coming back are going to be household names before long. Because London doesn't miss out very often. And when they went out and got Connor McMichael, I thought, okay, so this is going to be the next Marner, who was the next Horvat, who was the next Perry, and so on and so forth. Down in line. I probably missed a couple generations, but you get my point. It was just the next guy up. And uh, you know what? I, I've talked to Connor. I've interviewed him a couple times. Real nice kid. Couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. I, I love it when a kid is successful, gets drafted, and then has a monster year. He had a really good year last year in London, but he gets drafted, signs with Washington, and says, I'm not just going to rest on my laurels of being signed. I'm going to go and prove that I'm not back in this league next year. And that's what he's doing. It's impressive as hell. I'm yeah. with you 100% on what you just said. Going back to those nine guys that finished with 100 or more points last season. Uh, Nate Schnarr, Waterloo kid, 102. 
in 10th place in scoring last year, just under the 100-point mark, was none other than Kitchener Rangers co-captain Greg Morellis. He finished last season with 97 points. I bring up Greg's name because last week I sort of kind of off the cuff eulogized the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and their incredible run of six straight years to at least the second round of the OHL playoffs. And boy, oh boy, have they fallen on hard times this season. And I don't think I can in good conscience do this week's episode of the podcast without in some way eulogizing the 2019-20 Kitchener Rangers, at least when it comes to preseason expectations, because as of the time of recording, this is a team that has not only been beaten to the mat, I, was, I had so many words going <laughs> yeah. through my head. I came up with three letters, child, one syllable. Child-friendly fr- child podcast. Exactly. Beaten to the mat with injury, but also, quite simply, well below expectation. Losers of six of their past seven coming into this weekend and one of the lowest scoring teams in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, I I listened to your post-game show the other day, and I thought you brought up a really good point in just that we don't know what this Kitchener Rangers team is. And I always use this quarter point as a, as a marking at the beginning of the season to don't talk to me about standings because I feel it takes a quarter of the season to really get an understanding of what a team is. But I still don't think we know what the Rangers are because of all the injuries they've dealt with. The biggest one right now, Jacob Ingham, obviously Morellis, wasn't here for the start of the year, missed four or five games before being sent back, and then now missing five or six games with an upper body injury. I'm prognosticating he's back this weekend, but um, those are just two injuries. Prognosticating. Making a prediction based on... Oh, I thought you were pulling up the dictionary. No, I just Um, made that up. It's close, right? Yeah. Yeah. Liam Howell missing time. Greg Morales missing time. Donovan Uh, Sobrango missing time. Donovan Sobrango missing time. Jonathan Yance is missing a lot of time, not because of injury, because he's up around the league leaders in penalty minutes. Needs to stay out of the box. Well, when you score 50, you get a lot of attention out there. For sure. Um, But we saw in Oshawa, he sat for 10 minutes to start the third. And that was because took an undisciplined penalty. Um, the message is being sent, and I think he'll get his head on straight. But regardless, it, we just haven't seen what this team is capable of because they haven't played with a full roster for long. I think it was four or five games, that's it, where they played with a, an entire full roster. Um, but as we enter game 17 later on this Friday evening with Kingston in town, and with all due respect to the Frontenacs, Let's say the Rangers are like the majority of the teams that have played Kingston and they earn two points. That will give them 18 points at the quarter point of the season. It is their second lowest total in the last six years since they had 11 points and finished second last in the Ontario Hockey League and drafted Adam Maskren. Superstat or meaningless number? They had 16 points, which was their lowest since then, last year. Before that, 21, 21, 29, 23. 18 points, if they get two points tonight. Super stat, meaningless number. Meaningless number. Okay. I think the most meaningful number in everything you just said 
is the opportunity to draft Adam Maskren third overall. Fair. Um, looking at the team that has won the Ontario Hockey League at the quarter point. Let me just tell you, if I may interrupt for just a second. And the reason I say meaningless number on where they're at at the quarter pole, because I've been, I've, I've bought in fully. Yeah. Okay. I've bought in fully on the theory, the gospel according to Pope, thou shalt not talk about standings until the quarter pole. And so having hosted the post game show after the Rangers loss at home last Friday to the Guelph storm, and then getting back on the bus after the loss on the road in Oshawa on Sunday last weekend, I was reflecting on the post game show, the angst of the fans and I thought the, the, the best example I could come up with off the top of my head was Mississauga. I remember when Mississauga won the Eastern Conference Championship in a year where they just went on a tear in the second half of the season. Forget the second quarter, yep. but the second half. So I, I, I crunched some numbers. That was the 16-17 season. And the Mississauga Steelheads that year had won 11, 11 of their first 33 games. 11. 11. It reminds me of that. Do you ever see that video? Sorry. Anyway, it's a gr- great YouTube video. Type in 11 elevator. There you go. Go ahead. And that was a Steelheads team in 1617 that was expected to compete, that was expected to be there, just like the Rangers are this year. 11 wins in their first 33 games. And what do they do in the second half of the season, in their next 35 games? They win 23 of them. They lose only six times in regulation in their final 35 games. And they go on to win the Eastern Conference Championship. So I'm not sure what the standings mean even at the quarter point. That's obviously a bit of an anomaly, but I think the the situations are similar. You've got a team that was expected to do well, was underperforming right up until Christmas. And they come back from Christmas, they lose six in regulation the rest of the way, and they march to an Eastern Conference championship. They lost, though. They did. They lost. Yeah. So go back to what you were talking about and why it's so difficult a spot for the Kitchener Rangers to be in right now. I'm just saying, in the last five years, there has been one team that has won the Ontario Hockey League that at the quarter point had under 20 points. Really? And And that was the Oshawa Generals. In 14-15, and they had 18 points. And they also, by the way, that Oshawa team, when the trade deadline rolled around that uh, January of 2015, oh, did they load up? Yeah. They put together some pieces. But I think even Guelph last year, when they went out and loaded up, they started off, they had 22 points. Hamilton the year before, 20. Erie the year before that, 27. And London in 15-16 had 28 points. In the same year, the Rangers had 29, but London went on to win the Ontario Hockey League. I just think the first quarter of the season, it goes back to what we talked about a few podcasts ago about Oshawa starting out 9-0. and 9-0, and that's 18 points right there. The Oshawa Generals had more points in 19 games, than, or 9 games, than the Rangers had in 17 right now. 16. Heading into tonight. You talked about whether it matters or if it's a super stat. That's a super stat. Nine wins in a row? Yes, please. 18 points in the back pocket. They're not going to be taken away. I still say it's in part. At, you got you to gotta look at the Eastern Conference. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to beat up on it, but the, the low end of the Eastern Conference is a very low end to this season. It's just, that's just the reality of it. I'm with you. 
See Sarnia beat Flint today? I did see Sarnia. 5-1. Shout out Dahmer, our friend Dominic Hennig, who's play-by-play and communications guy extraordinaire for the Flint Firebirds. The Firebirds on home ice lose to Sarnia 5-1, and the visitors sweep the stars. That is how you do the three-star selections. It's nice not hard. job down there in Flint, Michigan. Way to go, Dahmer. Way to get it right. You know why Michigan is my favorite state, Mike? I have no idea. It has nothing to do with Frankenmuth, I'll tell you that. I hate Christmas, and I hate this weather. I'm wearing a vest. I didn't even wear a jacket. You rolled in here in a parka and winter boots. Darn right I did. And I'm wearing long johns. Not that you asked, but I'm wow. telling you because okay. I can't stand this. I, I hate, hate being cold. cold. hate it. Uh, Michigan is my favorite state because that is where... The greatest hockey player ever made his living. Wayne Gretzky. Steve Azierman. Oh, yeah. right. I thought it was Peterborough. Well, that's, yeah, that's where he played junior hockey. Oh, okay. But he made his living gotcha. as a captain of the Detroit Red Wings, where he won many Stanley a Cup. Did you know that? I, I, I thought he won at least one. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of one of those Stanley Cups, this is where you take over. At the OHL Russia game in Kitchener, uh, Team OHL won that one 4-1. to one. Prior to the game, I had an opportunity to catch up with a former, not not just a, well, back then they didn't play the OHL versus Russia, but a former Team Canada World Junior. Should I tell you how he did when he when he was a World Junior? Sure. Okay, he won a gold. Uh, was that part of the five in a row Canada won? That that yeah. was the record setting. That's what I thought. Fifth in a row. Yeah. That's right. This, this man was a part of. Uh, prior to that, he had won himself a Southie. Hmm. Sutherland Cup with the Stratford Cullitans, now known as the Warriors. That was one of their 35 in a row, uh, I believe. I mean, something like that, right? And then following that, so Sutherland Cup to World Junior, record-setting World Junior gold medal. Uh, oh, yeah. He went into the National Hockey League, and he won a Stanley Cup. With the Detroit Red Wings. With the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our conversation with former Kitchener Ranger, Stratford Culleton, World Junior, Edmonton Oiler, Detroit Red Wing, Toronto Maple Leaf. He's got a resume. This is Boyd Devereaux. So you were, uh, let me see, fifth overall into the OHL, sixth overall into the NHL. But let's go back before that. A Stratford Culleton. Does it does it hurt you a little bit, Boyd, that they're the Warriors yeah. now? Or? <laughs> yeah, oh, totally, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, just because when I talk about your, I don't know, I felt pretty fortunate to like, start, start with the Culletons there. And, I mean, that was the team... Um, you know, I, we would go kind of routinely to games to Stratford and stuff, and just the amount of the, the list of players that have come on through that program, you know, and just uh, the Culletons, right? And no one even knows really what it was from an outsider uh, view, but uh, yeah, what a history! And um, yeah, it is a little painful to yeah, have them call the Warriors now, um, just considering you know they were Culletons for all those years that all those great players were coming through and great teams, but. Uh, yeah, unreal. Um, yeah, unreal to be part of it. And we we ended up winning the Sutherland Cup the one year I was there. And um, yeah, and then it was kind of yeah, just then and you know on to Kitchener is like with another. I don't know. I just lucked out with uh, playing for teams that had a lot of history and um, even on into the NHL. You know, original six teams and stuff like that, which a lot of players maybe don't get the chance to do. So I, that was yeah. I don't know. I kind of lucked out that way. It was at a had a bit of a horseshoe um just play for cool organizations that had just had a lot of history that are really you know looking back on now when you kind of look back on your career um you know yeah i really take a lot of pride in that 
I remember talking to Jeff Ward, who was your coach here in Kitchener, about you. And he said, Boyd Devereaux will absolutely play in the National Hockey League. I think it was your second year here. I can't be sure. But I remember Jeff saying that. Obviously, that's the goal. Uh, is there a moment in time where you know it, you feel it, you just you get the sense that you're headed in that direction? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, just to be um, drafted, you know, like, that, I think my first my first year that I came into the league was my draft year, so it was a lot of intense kind of pressure right off the hop. Um, so I was kind of thrown in the fire, so to speak, as far as you know, I'm, like as far as knowing that there's NHL scouts in the crowd every year, you know, every game and things like that. Um, and you're concerned about your points and your rankings, and as much as you try to ignore that, but um, yeah, so certainly it was in your face right off the hop. So you know that was um, as far as a career in the NHL, and you know. Um, and, and even, you know, playing in the OHL, you know, it's kind of like a miniature NHL experience. So it, was, it, was, it seemed to be off to the races as far as that went. But, um, and even, at, but even after being drafted, you know, you're, you, uh, you know and, and I was fortunate to go high and the, the season was successful and I uh, went to a great organization in Edmonton. But um, you, you never take it for granted, you know what I mean? Then there's just always the next step. Then you got to go to your first camp and you got to impress a camp and then you got to uh, become a regular and things like that. And, um so I don't know. It wasn't until and even even when you're playing, you know, you take you take pride in playing your first game. But there's always the next thing you want. You want to have a lengthy career, and uh, there's always um, you're you know that's the thing about the league. You're continually having to prove yourself night in and night out, and uh, you can't really afford to take any breaks because there's, there's a lot of competition for jobs, and and because uh, it's it's a great uh, it's a great experience. It's a great life, and um, and so anyway, I feel. Um, yeah, Wardy certainly prepared me well here in Kitchener, and uh, and uh, yeah, it probably wasn't until I strapped, uh, lining up for that face first face off against Joe Sackick. That was my first shift against Colorado, <laughs> so I'll never forget that. But because uh, I always uh, was a huge fan of uh, Joe's, but um, that probably was the moment when you just you, you you take it for a second. You're just like, holy cow, I'm actually in the NHL. But you got to battle and battle, battle right till that right till that moment. So who won the face off? I'm pretty sure he did. Pretty sure he did. <laughs> I was probably starstruck. I was probably wasn't too focused at that point because just looking at who I was lining up against. But uh, Star started uh, Avalanche lineup at the time. But uh, but uh, yeah. But you know, certainly never forget that those nervous feelings and and uh, and uh, yeah. That's uh, you know, it's fun to look back now that you've retired and you can kind of uh, you know dig dig for those memories and stuff. But that's certainly one I'll never forget. Just before that, I mean, that first NHL game and that welcome to the NHL moment, you didn't have to wait long. I mentioned you were sixth overall. What's it like, Boyd, hearing your name called by a National Hockey League organization and realizing that dream? Yeah. Yeah, that, like I said, that whole year was like a pressure cooker, right? And, uh, and you're going to, you know, that was the first year they had the, um, the uh, prospects game. So it was kind of the inaugural lineup for that, and we were doing like a combine and things like that for the first time that hadn't been done. So, um, and so yeah, they, the pressure was intense, and uh, you know you're going to individual meetings with teams, and and uh, you know I knew where I was ranked, but you just never know where you're going to go, right? I thought I had good meetings with Washington. I thought I had a good feeling about Washington, and they picked fourth, and I remember so that came and went. And they pitched, you know, they they didn't pick me, so it was like. Uh, um, that was uh, I was like I had no clue where I might go after that, and just then you have the uh, that fear that you might drop right from where you're expected to go. But I was picked two picks later by Edmonton and couldn't have been couldn't have been more relieved and, and pleased and uh, and uh, you know just uh, like I say another uh, an organization with uh, so much history and great players and uh, 
and a great uh, hockey town and playing in Canada. So um, it was a good it was a good fit and uh, and um, yeah, like I said, didn't have to wait long, but it did did feel like a long time <laughs> in in that in that moment. But you know, anyway, just to be you know, there's. But it, it, you you feel fortunate because you know you have guys that you play with in battle and, and they might not even get drafted. You know what I mean. So you, you do feel you do feel uh, fortunate to be drafted at all. But to go high was was extra special. Playing in Canada uh, from Seaforth to Stratford to Kitchener to Edmonton, and then in between all of that there was that stop, if you can call it that, in Switzerland when you get to wear the Team Canada jersey at the World Juniors. Uh, what's that experience like for a young hockey player? Yeah, it was. It's uh, it's just incredible, right? Like, um, you know, it's something. Yeah, you're just you. You know what's upcoming. You know, you're you're playing. Uh, yeah, it was like. It was, yeah, I guess it was my first year again. That. Uh, that Hell so, of a uh, year. Yeah, I know. On top of all the draft <laughs> happenings and things like that, or and um, so yeah, to get to to the selection camp and all the steps, you know, in the summer and then the the main selection camp in December before you go over there and. Uh, yeah, you're, you're you're so excited to have made the team, and then then you're you're right overseas and right into that pressure cooker of uh, wanting to win and the preparation, and you're, st- you're you feel that pressure. But um, to, to to go through it all and to actually win with that group of guys, you, you know you'll 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 never forget that. It's just one of those experiences in life that you know you you couldn't possibly replicate replicate if you tried. So um, it informed me in a lot of ways, and um, and. Uh, and yeah, just the intensity and to come out on top, and after all that hard work and, and pressure, um, you know, oftentimes it's 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 tough to see when the team doesn't pull it out. You know, watching because I'm a fan and I watch it every year, and uh, man, you just feel your heart break because there is that intense pressure. So I don't know, like you know, my 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 heart breaks along with the rest of the country for the guys because I doubly know like just what the, the pressure that they're facing. So. So for us to go over there and uh, and win it and uh, it uh, it's uh, it's an incredible feeling. You played for Mike Babcock there, and you know it's one of the things. I was just talking to a buddy the other day. We talk about the World Juniors being a part of the Christmas tradition, which is great when you're here and you're home. Yeah. Thanks for the presents, mom and dad. Yeah. Now it's time to watch hockey. Yeah. You're away, and you're yeah. with this group of guys that you're just getting to know, and you're in another country for the first yeah. time. Uh, you just told the story, and I'd love to hear it in your words again. That Mike Babcock did something that that you've never forgotten, and also I think you felt helped bond that team that year. Oh yeah, in the selection camp, um, every for every player invited to selection camp, they were asked to bring like a memento of some sort that made, meant a lot to them, um, uh, whether it be a picture or something. I remember I, I brought a picture of my grandparents who uh, were huge fans, and, of, of, and but I was super close to my whole life and had both passed uh recently um so yeah i remember just bringing a little uh, wallet photo of my grandma and grandpa and uh and uh you know i just stuck stuck it in my bag and you know, brought it as requested and kind of forgot about it but uh, yeah we were over in switzerland at christmas and i think the tournament was to start on boxing day and um and uh you know we we're like you say i think there's kind of quiet all the guys were kind of uh, you know, bum, you know, bumming around the hotel a little like you say missing missing family missing friends and and being back home but um but we had this meeting later on in the evening, so we walk into this beautiful ballroom in, at the hotel, and all these folding chairs are set up in a circle. And so, and they'd asked us to bring this memento to the meeting, so we, uh, you know, everyone had brought this, and you know, we're just meeting. This is guys from all across the country, right? So we're just starting to meet each other, get to know each other as people, and um, and uh, so basically, what we what Babs had us do is we all went around the circle and talked about this 
um, memento that just meant a lot to us. And I, I tell you, I don't know if it was just the feeling of missing home or whatever, but guys really opened up. There were some super powerful stories that I know I won't share just because, uh, but, um, you know, and I, I'm not afraid. We were all, like, in tears. Like, literally was one, wasn't one guy that uh, just, I don't know, you hear these powerful stories and you really get to know these, and it was like an immediate successful way to get to know a person what they've some of the challenges they've been in life what means a lot to them and um man i tell you i was ready to run through walls for a lot of these guys afterwards so i thought it was really and i really felt like that really bonded us quickly i thought it was a really brilliant move uh by babs to do that to in a way to bring us together kids from across the country and um and uh yeah i think like i say led uh was a considerable uh reason for our success Heck of a career, Boyd, for you. You mentioned the Sutherland Cup with uh, the Cullitans, uh, time here in Kitchener, World Junior gold medal uh, with Team Canada. You get a Stanley Cup eventually, too, and I want to get to that. But before we do, uh, you battled injury. The concussions were a part of your life, and, and I wonder if now you ever wonder, I know a lot of people from observing the game did, wonder what could have been without the injuries. How do you feel about the way things played out for you? Yeah, it's... Um yeah, I don't know. You can't help but not look back sometimes and think, what if, you know, hadn't, you know, because you, you do lose, you know, a certain amount of confidence. I can definitely admit that um, once you do get into to concussion prob- problems early on. And um, so, I don't know. Yeah, like, so sometimes I'm more like, oh, what could have been? But I mean, I don't know. It was a great life. It was, uh, I played, I still managed to play 12 years, almost, you know, 600. 40 games or something like that I think I played and uh, won a Stanley Cup you know um, I don't know and I, I'm healthy now you know like I don't have these even back then you know like I didn't have a, I don't have a lot of post-concussion symptoms or so I, I maintain to keep keep my health so I don't know I don't I think I, I can understand why some people might you know yeah analyze or say oh you know if Boyd could have whatever different scenarios or done things that may, maybe I don't know, he didn't reach his full potential or something like that, but um, I don't know. I know I always left whatever. I, I always worked hard. I never I desired to be the best player I could possibly be. And I don't know, I think after you you know retire and um, you look at the journey you had, I don't know, I think there's much point to be to not look at it and just be thankful. Like, yeah, to, yeah, to played in amazing towns. I played with un, some of the most some of the best most decorated players of all time got to know them as people and i don't know so in my own case i tr- I, I just more look at it sometimes i shake my head that i that it occurred at all and uh as time goes on you know you're like wow did that you know so i look back with a lot of pride and uh and just thank and a lot of um gratitude for for living that life it was it's a you know it's hard to replicate that intensity and in, when you get into the real world right so um so yeah i just i just choose to look back at it just with more gratitude and I know that in my own heart that I did my best possible I never you know that was always in my nature to be a hard worker and really desiring to do my best so I know in my I know I never left anything back um, and really went for it so I'm proud of that and and uh, it was a good career and like I, you know like I say so there's no real point in looking back like that 
and, and you're healthy now, which is yeah. incredible because we worry about when it comes yeah. to concussions for sure. So you talked about some of those decorated players, some of the best in the game. That Stanley Cup team, Boyd, holy cow. You read down that list, you've got a Shanahan, you've got a Fedorov, you've got a Hull, you've got a Lidstrom. And oh, yeah, there's Boyd Devereaux on that team too. Uh, take me through that experience yeah. with that Wings team in 02. Yeah. Well, it was just, yeah, and just... Um, I mean, I was a Red Wings fan growing up, so and a Heis- and a Stevie Eisman was my favorite player. So to be to be in that team, and um, even after you know, you forget about it because they're just regular guys, right? Like, and so you forget the, the sometimes the fact that these like these guys are some of the best players to ever play the game in one locker room. Like, it, it was just you know, and I was that year in '02, I was playing consistently with on a line with uh, Brett Hall and Pavel Datsuk, who was a rookie, and just we were, everyone just like shaking their head in disbelief at the plays Pavel was making that year and knew he was going to be one of the greatest ever to play but um but um yeah it's hard it's hard to put into words we just you just had so much fun we were just we did nothing but win like we just had such a good team and no matter if we were down three goals you know one of our lines would be going and our power play was just unreal and um and uh, you know it was yeah, but it was you know it was like again that intensity like where we if we didn't win the cup it was we like we won the president's trophy handily but if we didn't win the cup it was going to be a completely wasted season and all the guys felt that so there was that there was that pressure but um, again to to you know in playoffs was a battle I remember yeah we were down two nothing to Vancouver in the first round and it was like they thought they had won the cup you know like so there was and then we went seven games against Colorado in the Western Conference Finals and. Uh, and they had an amazing team, and they won the the, the cup the previous year. And, um, so just that, and just you know, just going through the war of of uh, I don't like to use that term, but uh, um, just the battles for uh, to get to to the finals and actually win it and hoist the cup. We won it at home, like just the confetti raining down and and uh, the part, you know, the celebrations and uh, just what a feeling of satisfaction and. Uh, the bond you have uh, with the teammates and to win it in a like original six team in Detroit and it's just a it, it's hard to sum up what a magical year and uh, the fans are incredible and there's lots of attention on our team and um, really can't it really can't uh, like I say put it into words sometimes but uh, I look back at it with a lot of uh, yeah just a lot of uh, incredible memories and uh, you know one of those experiences that as a human being like just to go through you know, like just such a hard-fought thing to actually come out on the other side and win. In fact, I won, whenever I watch the Cup Finals, I always like, I'm happy for the team that won it, but I just almost feel worse for the team that made it to the finals and didn't get it right because you're just like, you know, how hard it is to get to that point and to not actually come out on top. Is I always just, I don't know, I'm more sympathetic to the other, to the, to the, to the losing team. But um, anyway, it was uh, what a ride and what a team and really one of the best. One of the be- like best assembled lineups in, of all time, really, when you when you look at it. So, and they're all great human beings and great people, and learned a lot from them just as 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 people. So it's great. A lot of people over the years said Brett Hull got by on a lot of talent, and sometimes didn't have that same work ethic. What was he like as a teammate? Oh, Hully's yeah. I mean, like I say, we we we, we were pretty loose that year because we were just winning like all the time, and winning's fun, right? So, Holly is just like one of the most. Uh, He's he's one of the funniest guys you'll, you'll ever meet and play and play with, and uh, so he just uh, kept all the guys laughing and um, and like I say we and so to, but to play on the line with him and you know like we kind of had a I think the role I played on the line basically using my speed to forecheck and turn the puck over and then Pavel would swoop in and turn two guys inside out and feed Holly in the slot and just like you just know it's in like he's just one of the most incredible snapshots. 
in the ever and uh so that was just a treat and if i ever fed him in the slot you know you're kind of feel pretty good you might pick up an assist because it's just like going in the net but uh um anyway we we enjoyed each other's company a lot and uh yeah he might have gotten you know slagged a bit for i don't know like but his record speaks for itself like just one of the most prolific scorers ever he's won multiple stanley cups and uh one of the greatest of all time and and uh, a great teammate and just uh just one of the funniest humans right like so um i enjoyed yeah to, to play with brett was especially now that I look back on it like a real a real treat to see yeah just to see what he does out there on the ice and uh yeah he, he's amazing you're not wearing the ring tonight where do you keep no. it i <laughs> uh, just uh yeah kind of yeah anyway keep it keep it uh, keep it put away for the most part but uh, you know it's, it's nice to to pull it out and see the reactions of uh, you know if there's any sort of kids of kids events or something like that i'll wear it and and i uh, get a kick out of seeing uh seeing their faces and um i was i, for, I was invited to be part of uh, ryan o'reilly's uh stanley cup celebrations this summer because he's we're f- basically from the same area uh, and Seaforth and stuff, and so I was able to put it on for a couple of those events, and just kind of felt pretty cool. But, uh, but um, yeah, I want to, yeah, kind of, you know, I'll take it out and look at it every now and then. But uh, I do, I do like to share it as much as I can because it was, uh, like, it bring, brings back a lot of memories and puts puts smiles on some people's faces. I know we gotta let you go drop a puck here tonight or some such thing, but before I let you go, what what are you doing these days? I'm actually a firefighter in Kitchener um, now, and that's uh, fairly new. Like, I've been on, on the trucks or on the floor about two and a half years now. And uh, so, and it's been awesome. Like, just kind of jumped in with two feet and um, felt I had, uh, yeah, something to give and wanted to be useful. And um, uh, I thought, a lot, thought long and hard about the, the, the fire service and talked to a few guys. And I'm um, really glad that I kind of uh, went for it, so to speak. And... Uh, got my training and uh was, took a little time to get to, to to get a job but i really was hoping to get on in kitchener and and, and did manage to do that and uh and learning a lot from the, the guys and girls that that there are women that do do the job there's uh they're very capable people and um and uh the work itself is super challenging and uh you're out there you know doing some good and doing your best to, to help people out and uh and it's a lot of fun like we i got a great crew and great captain and uh so we, um, yeah, just the day-to-day, and it's, it's like a locker room, right? So it's like a lot of uh, translation uh, from from the days, uh, uh, my playing days, and so just the camaraderie and the culture of fire, like not just in Kitchener, but across the world, really. Like it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud to be part of that, and uh, and uh, they've been treating me great so far, learning a ton, and uh, I've, uh, I'm really, uh, it's going really great, really happy. It's nice to see you back in this Memorial Auditorium here in Kitchener. How does it feel for you to be in this building again? Yeah, it's fun. I was super, super psyched to be invited. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I get back, I get, uh, get invited to, to various events and stuff. I'd like to make it out to more games, but kind of got a young family. But uh, I can't believe the success of the organization, even since I played. And uh, so it's always, uh, you know, super exciting to see how well the team's doing. I do follow the team. And, uh and uh, but just the the job they've done in the city and the way the fans support it, it's 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 something to see and certainly one of the most successful junior organizations uh, in in uh, in the in the Canadian Hockey League and uh, I'm sure they will be for many years to come. But uh, yeah, like I say, proud proud of my uh, to have been a part of it at one point and uh, always good to be back in this in this barn. Boyd, thanks for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. That was fun. Boyd Devereaux, not just the former. Kitchener Ranger, but as we mentioned beforehand, into the National Hockey League, he played. He's a first rounder, right? Eh? Yeah. I, 
that's something. Top 10, no? Right. Yeah. We, we were talking, it was sixth overall to Edmonton. We were talking earlier, Don Cherry, legacy, et cetera, and how the way he goes out will probably not change a whole lot. But like that's something, you were drafted in the first round into the National Hockey League. Nobody ever takes that away from you. No. Even if you, even if you never play. <laughs> yeah. I was a first rounder to the show. Ryan Leaf. There you go. the NFL. Fair point. He's a punchline to many a joke. Yep. But you can't take it away from him. Absolutely not. 627 games for Devereaux in the National Hockey League, scoring 67 goals, uh, 179 points. Listen, and the Stanley Cup. I mean, also, they don't take that away from you. I don't care if you played with an all-star team in Detroit. I wouldn't care if I played one year. Let's say I played one game in the regular season, and I scored a goal, and I got an assist. And you know what? If I did that, it'd probably drop the gloves just to say I did and then went to the playoffs. And I don't care. I got a ring. I, I didn't need to play another game. I scored a goal. I got an assist. I got a fight and I got a ring. There you what go. else more do you want? Nothing, actually. I, Not a thing. Well, yeah. Like I, you look at the Rangers bench and there's quite a few years of NHL experience on there, but you get a ring. Who cares? Yeah. You get a ring. I'm with you. What's it matter? I'm with you. Much uh, like the Ontario Hockey League, though. If you're playing, you want the ring. And we're going to speak in the next few minutes with a guy who's got a ring. And he, he got it as part of however arm's length a part of this team that he was. But it's a team in, I mean, we say it a lot, and I feel like we're being biased because we make our living in the Midwest division of the Ontario Hockey League. But I can't think of any other way to describe it other than murderer's row the Midwest, and if there is a tougher division in the entire CHL, I would like to know what that division is. Well, there isn't. Okay. And we we can sit here and just uh, throw the propaganda of the Midwest around, but stats don't lie. You look at the last 10 years when it comes to OHL winners, any guesses on how many came from the Midwest? 10 years, the last 10 years of OHL champions, how many came from the Midwest? Okay, I remember Owen Sound in 2011. Seven. Okay, I won't even start. <laughs> Seven. Seven. Seven of the last 10 OHL champions from one division. Yep. Yeah, okay, so the Midwest but is best. One division, not one conference. Exactly. One division. Yeah. Windsor won it 10 years ago, and that's the other Western Conference team. That was their second of back-to-back. Yeah. Other than that, Oshawa and Hamilton from the East. The other seven are from the Midwest Division. Three of them were London Knights teams. Two, two Guelph Storm. Yep, two Guelph Storm. And then Owen Erie. Simon Erie. Yeah. Oh, so there's one team. Oh, stop it. One team from the Midwest there, Mike. Didn't we already that's missing. eulogize that team earlier in this podcast? Let's insert the Jeopardy song. Shout out Alex Trebek to see if our listeners can come up with that team. Da, na, 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 na. We love you, Alex. It's the Rangers. Yeah. It's tough out there. It, I, you don't got to tell me. I, I get it for sure. But it, it's, it's a premier organization, and we talked about their struggles early. Without an OHL championship in a long time. It's seven, hard to do. Seven out of ten OHL champions yeah. from the Midwest. That's pretty crazy. That okay. Is. One of those. It's funny about this next interview because... I really wanted to talk to the guy because he's done a few. In fact, if you're a loyal listener to the Farwell and Pope podcast, first and foremost, thank you. I mean, I don't know. I I think you should have better things to do with your time, but God bless you. 
Uh, we did a podcast where this guy was the feature interview last year because he was recognized for his 18th, 1800th game with the Guelph Storm. This guy called games in the Western League and blah, 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 before that. that anyway, he's got a long history in the game, and he continues to call games. And, and he had something really kind of freaky happen when, just imagine, right? You get ready for the game. You know, you're, you're on a road trip. Bus pulls in. You know, everybody's getting ready. They're stretching. They get some food in them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, wait, you can't play. Ice isn't good enough. Something's gone wrong. Game canceled. And so we, I wanted to hear from Larry Malott, mm-hmm. the play-by-play voice of the Gulf Storm, about that. Like, what's going on? What's, what happens? What, are, what, are what these, do you do? What are you experiencing? All of that stuff. But you were all into the bling. You had to talk about the bling. It's a sweet ring. I want a ring. I didn't get one in my playing days. I want one in my broadcast career. Who knows how long I'm going to be around? You just talked to Boyd. Maybe he's coming after my job next he year. He might be. He's pretty, pretty well-spoken. Better dressed than me, that's for sure. He's pretty slick. Come on, Channers. No, nah, he's fine. He's fine. He's got a firefighter's Firefighter? job. Firefighter? Yeah. Boy, doesn't need, doesn't need your paycheck. But we did catch up paycheck. with Larry to find out about games getting canceled. And hey, aren't, aren't you leaning a little bit to one side? Because that thing looks heavy. What paycheck? I want to talk about uh, strange things in hockey rinks, and all Pope wants to talk about is jewelry. Let's start, <laughs> let's start with business here, Larry, before we get to jewelry. I, I followed you on Twitter a week ago in Saginaw, so, and let, let's be honest, you're up in the Sioux. From Guelph to the Sioux is a long trip. The Sioux to Saginaw, you're getting the northern, one of the northern trips out of the way. But lo and behold, you get to Saginaw, and you can't play. You said on Twitter, and I thought I'd seen everything in the rink. Take us through what you experienced at the Dow. Well, before the Dow, the only other time that uh, I had been with the Storm when a game was canceled and we were actually there in the building was years ago in Sudbury. There was actually a bomb threat. And uh, they eventually caught the guy that was guilty of that because he'd done it a few times early in the year. Uh, So that was the only other time. So here we are getting ready for the hockey game. And I'm waiting for the teams to come out for warm-up. And instead I see I don't know how many of them. Half dozen. It looked like, uh, I shouldn't say this, a government job. <laughs> you can say <laughs> you can that. Say I could say yeah. it. There was one guy attempting to do the repair and five or six others supervising and two huge holes in the ice. I could see them from my vantage point, and you guys know what it's like there in Saginaw. I was at the, the end that the Spirit defend, two of the three periods, so the end closest to us, and all the way down to the concrete, and I'm thinking... This might not be an easy repair job, and as it turns out, it wasn't. But they kept delay, delay, until they finally canceled it around 8.30. And in the end, that meant we didn't get home any sooner than if we played the hockey game. That takes me back, actually. When we were in Saginaw, there was the glass issue down to our right, same end. And it, there was like eight guys out there, and they couldn't fix it. There was one guy sprinting from the far left-hand Zamboni entrance All to the right. glass right below us. No helmet, no nothing, flying across the ice. I thought, if he falls and he hits his head, we're going to have a hole in the ice, just a different kind. <laughs> How did you find out the game was canceled, though? Oh, boy. I'm trying to think of who told me in the press box. It was probably uh, one of the off-ice officials, one of the 12 that sits up there beside you. <laughs> Were you, were you on the air, though? <laughs> Had you started broadcasting? I kept saying back to the radio station, keep playing music, find more music, keep playing music. <laughs> You're lucky to be able to do that. We have to say, keep playing the best of Farwell at our radio station, and there's not much of that to go around, Larry, not much material. So at this point, so you've gone through all of your pregame preparation. You've had the good spread in the media room. Your belly's full. And then you guys just hopped on the bus and came home that night. 
that's uh, about the way it went. Yeah, fortunately, we did pick up an extra hour of sleep because that was the night of the time change, too. But I'm thinking this is not going to work out well because both of these teams have busy weekend schedules for the rest of the season. And in the end, they made the uh, rescheduled date December the 4th. And I'm looking at the calendar, and I'm thinking that means nine games for the Storm from the 1st of December to the 16th in their Christmas break, and I'm thinking, I don't recall nine games in 16 days uh, before. This is going to be fun, if fun's the word. Yeah, fun in Saginaw. Yeah. <laughs> we got 15 and 30 at one point, This uh, right after Christmas, yeah, I January, believe. It's yeah. crazy. Um, what was the mood like after that game gets canceled? Because I'm sure all these players, you know, you pick up your pregame coffee or whatever you guys do before you get to the rink, they start getting into the mode mentally, and then they got to turn around all of a sudden. We're stretching, and now it's like, oh, I guess we're back on the bus. Here we go. We have a real close trip. You know what? It really wasn't all that bad because of what had happened the night before. That Sioux building has been a difficult one for the Storm for years. In fact, they hadn't won a game in there since March 2nd, 2014. So we're talking over five years, and they won in the Sioux on Friday night. If they'd lost and that had happened, yeah, that would have made for a rough ride home, rougher than it was. Some people think George Burnett can be hard to deal with. How was he after that? Actually, George is fine. He never displays any uh, temper, swings, or anything. He's pretty calm and cool on the bus, regardless of what's happened. And uh, once you get to know George, he's an easy guy to talk to, but you have to get to know him. He's one of my favorites. I don't know why everybody else doesn't like him. He gave us all the time in the world. We went to his office, sat down, chatted forever. You can check it out on a past episode (laughs) of the Farm on the Pool podcast. Well, I've always loved interviewing George because he fills a lot of time for anybody. I shouldn't say this because he's probably listening. (laughs) But if I want to fill six or seven minutes on the air, I go talk to George Burnett. One question, take your washing break. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right, Larry, let's get to the business that Pope is so interested in here. I don't know how you're standing up straight with all that weight on your right-hand ring finger. Pretty nice piece of jewelry from a championship run last year. You know what? Why I'm wearing this, too, is because it was so special. It was the first time in Ontario Hockey League history that a team had managed to win seven elimination games. It just doesn't happen. They were down three to nothing to London. The London people were talking about their next series against Saginaw. They're down three to one to Saginaw. Saginaw's preparing to go to Ottawa. Down two to nothing to Ottawa. Ottawa's talking about their trip to Halifax, and then the storm just kept finding ways to come back, and it made it a really special playoff run. I think you're wearing it because you're in Kitchener, because I'd wear it if I was in Guelph. I'm just kidding. You know what? I'll be wearing it each and every game in London, only once here. I love it. And you said they won seven elimination games. I can, and, you know, you mentioned London, excuse me, talking about their next series against Saginaw. Saginaw talking about Ottawa. Ottawa talking about Halifax. I can assure you there were not many people in Waterloo region talking about their next series facing that Gulf Storm team last year. <laughs> you know what? And all it really points out, and how many times do you hear the story told that the most difficult game to win can be that fourth and final game? So if we've learned anything out of all of that is don't count on anything until you've either won or lost that fourth game. Junior hockey, baby. The fourth game and the holes in the ice. There you go. <laughs> just real quick, I just want to ask, 
being around the team and those comeback, as it says on the inscription on the inside of the ring, the comeback kids, being around it, was there ever any doubt amongst yourself where you're like, oh, this is probably it? Or was there any, could you feel the doubt coming from the players? Because it's so easy to fall into that trap, especially at that age. I felt absolutely none of that from the players. I felt a lot myself. <laughs> I kept thinking this can't keep happening. And my wife kept telling me when I go, they didn't win again today. I said, yes, they did. She was There's, probably waiting for vacation. Yeah, summer holidays yeah, later. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But uh, they had so many leaders, the kids that they brought in. And there was a lot of talk about the fact they made too many trades, but the trades they made brought in the captain from Hamilton, the captain from Owen Sound, guys that knew Radcliffe and other people on the team, and there was just that feel that they would keep on winning. The ring looks good on you. Thanks for doing this with us, as always. <laughs> Thanks, Mike and Chris. I really think he just wore it because he was in Kitchener. I don't think he wears it all the time. Oh, I'll tell you. I'm not. I, he told us. I'll tell you. He. he uh, yes, he did. Yeah. And, and he's going to enjoy wearing it when he goes to London. <laughs> Why because wouldn't you? the London Knights of 2019 were up three cob on the Guelph Storm in the second round. Wherever your allegiance lies as a fan, I think you have to look at that run the Storm did and just shake your head. And that's one that I don't think many will ever forget. You took Kitchener to the woodshed in the first round, but then you trail every round... After? Yep. 3 nothing, 3-1, and 2 nothing. Yeah. I think, like, that's just the 3 nothing and the 3-1. That's all but done. And everybody thought that. And then they just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. Star-studded team. We talked about it in the regular season when we saw them. We thought, I thought this team was supposed to be better. Like, where's the, where's the on switch? Yeah. Then we saw them in the playoffs, and we were like, oh, there, there's, there's switch. the switch. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. It, and, and what do I know? Because I don't have a ring either. I never played the game enough to get a ring. I, I still can't help but think it, it must hurt a tiny bit to do what they did, load up the way that they did, and then come up short down east in the Memorial Cup tournament. But yeah. listen, you got an OHL championship. You got the ring to prove it. And like we were talking about earlier with Boyd Devereaux and being a first rounder in the NHL. Nobody takes it away from you. Yeah, 59 other teams have that same hurt. But, you Good know point. what I mean? Yeah. It, it does hurt that you got there, but you, you got a ring. You got a, you got a boat out of it. Who cares? And you got two OHL championships in the past five years. Yeah. It's not bad. Right? You take it. Not bad at all. Um, speaking of 60 teams, did you know they're all on one app? So, you know, we started, let's just bring this full circle. Okay. We kind of started this podcast in our conversation about Don Cherry, and I said, I sent out something that, on social media that really I, I wasn't inflammatory. I wasn't, you know, trying to get anybody riled up and the response kind of overwhelmed me. So we're coming home from Oshawa on Sunday and I'm on my phone running some numbers about, well, I told you earlier in this podcast, Mississauga and their sixteen seventeen run and blah, blah, blah. And then killing time. And I see our colleague, Kenny Walls up in Ottawa and he's coming home from a road trip and he's, He's bitching on social media, on his Twitter, about the CHL app. And I just decided, oh, I'm going to throw my two cents in here, too, because I, I, I really liked the OHL app. But, of course, it's now been replaced by the CHL app, which, quite frankly, and listen, I'm no app developer, but this thing is garbage. And I, I sent something out on social media about that, and the response, I was just like, my gosh, you people really care passionately about the app, don't you? I don't think... No, it's garbage. It's garbage. I don't garbage. think it's garbage. It no, actually is. It's not. When it's working, 
I think it's fine. Even when it works, all it ever does is take me to OntarioHockeyLeague.com. That's not an app. That's a browser. I've never understood why they're doing that. They, and, but think I think of the it, way the it's o- the web clicks, though. <laughs> think of the way the OHL app worked. That's... That, I know. It worked. It worked wonderfully. I didn't. Well, it would, I don't know if it worked wonderfully. I it was pretty it. archaic. It was a. It was a pretty archaic app. But to me, it's just. It's one of those things that just makes me like. I'm rubbing my eyes thinking about it because it's like the press release we all got in the media at the start of the season about these coaches' reviews and video replay. Why are you sending us that if it's not ready? We're a quarter of the way through the season. It's still not ready. I think I pegged January start. You did. And I think we're well on track for that. Absolutely. And then they launched this app, and it's not ready. It's just not ready. It's a political throwback four years ago. Wow. Impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's just not ready. He's and still ready, eh? Yeah, he's, he's Yeah, he's going to do it again. He's ready. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, for a couple of years. Well. Um, so I just don't understand why you would throw it out if it's not ready. And yes, you know what? There's... There's going to be growing pains like everything. There's going to be things that aren't working properly because the amount of people go to it and then it can't shut down. But it takes five minutes to load. And then even when it does load, you click on something, it takes you back to the website. Exactly. See, really I, doesn't make much sense. I'd like the idea of a 60 teams all in one, though. And you can customize it. Obviously, I'm at more Ranger games than anything, so I can have like a Rangers page inside my app. That just brings everything Kitchener there. I like that idea. Customize I, it to the I, to the person. I have not even been able to figure that out yet. Oh, okay. See, but I'm it's just, just not ready. I'm just being the dinosaur that I am here, I guess. But for me, because you called the old app archaic, I loved it. I opened it up, and it would show me the schedule for that day and or the scores. That was the kind of landing page when I opened the app. It's perfect, because what do we do an awful lot during a broadcast? Out-of-town scores. And they yep. give you the little... Uh, language there that tells you the players that have got the goals. It's it's great. It's all right in front of you. It's really easy to promote the league mm-hmm. during our broadcast. Hey, in Hamilton, Arthur Kaliev has another two goals tonight as Hamilton leads. You know, it's right there for you. Yep. So I'd have the scores. I could check the standings. And if I really wanted to go deep on the old app, I could, you know, click on a player for some deeper stats. But that's all I cared about. So maybe that shows the dinosaur in me. But the fact that everything I click on within the CHL app, A, takes way too long to load and B simply takes me back to the website. I don't think that's an app at all. No, it's certainly not meant to work that way. Um, and I want to say that don't worry, they'll get it figured out here soon. Right? Soon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> About right? the same time we get the overhead cam and the HD feed from every rink. Yeah. Yeah. You said uh, we love you, Alex. You see that video? Uh, that's why I said yeah, it. I know. Yeah, of yeah. course. It's, you know, the best thing about that video, going back to the Alex Trebek reference we made earlier in Jeopardy, I, and I think it makes me somewhat unpatriotic to say this, but never been the biggest fan. I mean, I love the guy, the talent, really? the man's talent as a broadcaster. Clearly, like he's got his feces amalgamated, right? Like he's very, very good. Yes. But he always came across as being too cool for the room to me. Right? Like, unflappable, I'm a professional, and it's all about being professional. Even when he talked about his cancer diagnosis, and it just all seemed so, you know, Alex Trebek. But then this time, he shows a little bit of emotion, and I thought, wow, like, he's human. You know why? He's not a robot. Because he is too cool for the room. He's I just that I, cool. I guess. Anyway, it was an awesome, just awesome cool. video. Anyway, yeah. we do.
We love you. Yeah, we love you, Alex. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is, we love you, Alex, the Farwell and Pope podcast. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host, Roland Tanner, and I tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.